0: I want to, I for the next, I don't know how many weeks it'll be, but basically coming into the fall, so we'll kind of start here in the, in the summertime now, but coming into the fall, we're going to, I mentioned at our family meeting, uh, we're going to start talking about things like uh, facilities, and we're going to talk about building funds, and starting to uh, release finances to, to that we would have a permanent home, and that sort of thing, and so, wow, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Someone's right. El- Who's got the problem with the right elbow? Got a- you got a problem with your right elbow. Who's that? Going once. Going. Yeah. What's your name? Rob. Thank you, Father. Father, in Jesus' name, we just speak healing to that right elbow right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for Rob. You love him so much. We release healing into that. We command all pain to go, all discomfort to go. Functionality return as it's intended, as you created him. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Whew. See, that's how it works, you know, for me anyway. As soon as I start leaning into revelation, all of a sudden I start getting revelation on different stuff. Try to stay focused now here, okay? (laughs) It's like, yeah. Anyway, so, um, So we're going to talk in, into the fall, we're going to get into things, but I really feel that before we, before we get into that, there's some foundation that God wants to lay. I mentioned last week, I started to talk about a little bit about um, the abundance of God and dreams and desires, just kind of as an aside in the message. And I, I, I could feel it in the spirit, I was bumping up against something, some mindsets That some people have mindsets that need to be torn down, you know. Paul talks about taking every thought captive into the obedience of Christ, like pulling thoughts down that don't line up with who you really are as a believer, right? As a son. And how many mindsets we have. Uh, When we first came back to Manitoba back in 2004, we, you know, I've heard this over and over again, and, you know, this whole thing about the... um, Uh, poverty spirit over Manitoba and blah, 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 and such, you know, cheap people and all these curses that people have spoken over a region, you know, which um, I completely disagree with. I mean, that that may be an an essence of some form of reality, but there's a greater truth in in operation, and that's where I want to live, right? Uh, You know, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, there's not recession, there's not, a, there's not a meltdown. Uh, there's not, you know, like God's, it's like God in God's kingdom, he's got increase and blessing and favor on his mind, right? And yet so many times we don't live that way because we get consumed with what we see around us, right? And so I feel like what we want to do is in the next several weeks, and, and I'm not going to be the only one speaking. There's different ones that are going to be sharing and whatnot. But um, I want to start to lay a foundation for um, God's economy, um, God's promises. I don't have a specific title yet for it, but I want to look at something here uh, in the Old Testament then we'll just touch briefly in the New. But in the Old Testament, there's a, a passage of Scripture I think that's really, really cool for us to get into. Let's take our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. There's a promise. God starts speaking to Abram, somebody who doesn't even... He's he's paganistic right now. He doesn't have a relationship with God. He's not connected with God, as it were. But he understands a few things because of his culture. Because of that, you know, the Middle Eastern culture, he understands a few things about agreements and about covenants and about entering into covenant with, with somebody. But in Genesis chapter 12... Uh, the Lord said to Abram, go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country and from your relatives and from your, uh, from your father's house to a land in which I will show you. So I want to I show you something. Uh, if you want to walk in what God has for you, it's, it is important that you live your life and keep on pulling on Revelation and, and say things like this, like, Lord, show me what you have for me. I want, to, I want to know what you have for me. And so he goes through and he says this. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name famous and distinguished and you will be a blessing to others and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you um, and in you uh, in you, and with, in you with all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. And so Abraham goes away as, as, he, as he was instructed. The Lord directed him. He was about 75 years. He was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, there's, there's, just, there's just, so there's this, uh, how many have heard before of the Abrahamic blessing? The blessing of Abraham, okay? Many of us have. Just a few pointers here. The Lord promised them a place. Somebody say a place. Beautiful. The Lord promised them a people. Somebody say people. Good. The Lord promised him, promised him prominence. Somebody say prominence. Not, or like a great name. Prominence. A great name. Uh, the Lord also promised him a provision. Somebody say provision. The Lord promised him protection. Somebody say protection. The Lord promised him a purpose. Somebody say purpose. Those are just some of the things that you'll read right in that little passage of scripture there in 12. And then when we get on to more here. This, that part of the message was brought to you by the letter P if you didn't figure that out yet. Alliteration is a powerful thing. All right. Then, then again, let's, let's go now. F- keep on following. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, after Lot left him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your posterity forever. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth. So that if a man could count the dust on the earth, then could your descendants also be counted. Then he says this in verse 17. Arise and walk through the land, the length and the breadth of it. For I will give it to you. Now you, you have to understand, this is like in God's economy, this is what God does in God's economy. He puts a dream, or his idea, he plants in your heart that is completely impossible for you to do in the natural because we know that his wife's barren, right? So there's this crazy idea, this crazy promise that is completely off the charts. And, and I know he's doing this. I, I just know he's a human just like us. And he's, he's thinking, okay, so how could this be? I, I don't get it. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be obedient in faith even though at this time he doesn't even have a relationship with God yet. And so, what does it say? It says, What you see is what you're going to get. So, so he, he starts walking out in the land and he starts looking and, and he starts walking. And that's a faith walk, even though he wasn't yet connected in with the Lord like we know he gets to be. But there's a faith walk that takes place. So, I'm just, I put it out there for you personally. Just make it personal for a minute. What promises has God given you? and you failed to walk out in and check it out. What does that look like? What does it look like? Well, for me, for example, we've had so many prophetic words about buildings and facilities and stuff, so I often drive around the city and the area and the region, and I look at places, and I I, I look at places, and I'll, I'll look at land, and I'll get out, and I'll put my feet on the land. I'll be like, hey, Lord, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? You know, that kind of thing. But it requires action. It requires actually... You know, faith is always followed by action. You know, you say you show me your faith, and I'll, well, I'm going to show you my action. I'm going to show you my works. You know, faith without works or action is dead. So it requires stepping out and going for it. And so there's an invitation he responds to, and he starts to go out and he starts to walk through and look, and everything he can see, as far as he can see, is to be his. Wow. That's pretty wild, huh? All right. So let's keep on reading. Let's go to, um, yeah, let's let's pick it up in chapter 15 now. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. There's that revelation happening again. Fear not, Abram, Abram for I am your shield and your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. And then he goes through and he promises him, you're going to have an heir. You're going to have offspring and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to come through you. And then Abraham says something in verse number 8 here that is really, really crucial. He says, but he, Abraham, said, Lord God, by what shall I know that I shall inherit it? What, how, give me a guarantee that I know that your promise is what's for me and I'm going to see this happen. I need something. I need something tangible that I can hang on to, that I can know that I know that I know that, I, that, that you're speaking to me and you've showed me this and you've said this. I need something. So what does God do? God then says this. He says, okay, bring me a heifer. And what he does is he starts, he starts going into this process, this covenant process which Abraham was completely familiar with because of his culture in the day. It's amazing how, and I think the reason, one of the reasons that we we don't get this so much, the revelation of covenant and what this really means, what what kind of covenant that we have in God. I think the reason we don't get it so much is because it's so uh, unfamiliar. It's so foreign in our culture today, in our Western culture. It's very foreign. I mean, it's like this. It's like. Uh, if I'm in relationship with Eric, we're friends, you know, things get, you know, maybe strained a little bit or something happens and it's like, well, you know what, Eric, okay, I love you, but that's it. We're done. We just write it off and we carry on over here. We do this or do that. And there's a, there's so much of this fractured relationships and 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 fractured, um, yeah, fractured relationships, fractured relationships. Uh, connections and all that kind of stuff. In marriage, I mean, marriage being, you know, one of the the the, the greatest covenants on the earth. And so the, it's crazy how you know the stats about the divorce rate and stuff, and there's no condemnation. If you're in a situation where you've been divorced, I and mean, there's so no condemnation, because he makes all things new. We sang about it this morning, didn't we, right? The, the, the idea, though, is you need to live in the new then and embrace the new. Come on, right? Amen. And so yet, yeah, but but the deal is, uh, like, I Carter had an after-school party this week, and um, it was Friday night, I think it was, and so I went to pick him up, and I went out by the um, fire then. There were some adults sitting around the fire, so sat down around the fire for a while, meeting all these people, didn't know them yet, but they're parents of the of the kids, you know, that were at the party from his class. And I was sitting there, and I was just blown away that that out of all these kids that were at this party... Uh there was, there was me and, like, Carter and then his friend. There were two boys at the party, and I said, you know, there'll be a day, Carter, when you just love these parties. <laughs> You're the only boy there. You're two boys there, and there's all these girls. <laughs> I said, how was it? He goes, well, there's only one other boy there. And I said, well, you'll get over that. There's going to be a day coming where you will be like, yes, I'm the only guy here, you know. <laughs> anyway, that was a joke. Yeah. So, so, but in this situation, the one the one dad... Uh, divorced. Uh, He's an alcoholic. Um, The next dad, divorced. The next dad, divorced. And I'm just going, oh, wow, this is really, it's really tough and it's really sad. And again, hear my heart in this because I know there are people here in the room right now and also people that are going to be listening. I'm not saying that, that um, I'm not, I'm not coming down hard on divorce per se. (sighs) But my, my point is this, in our culture today, we just don't understand covenant as as it pertains to this kind of stuff here. Y'all okay? All right, good, good. So there's this so 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 he says I need to know something. I need to know that I know that I know that I know that you have that I can have this promise. Like, give me something here. So what does the Lord do? He says, okay, well, you're familiar with covenant, so I'm going to go through covenant with you. And so he goes through verse number 9. He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, and, she got, and a she-goat three years old, and a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought them all these things uh, and cut them down in the middle into halves and laid each on opposite of each other but the birds he did not divide, and when the birds of prey swooped down upon the carcasses, Abram Abram drove them away. This is pretty cool, actually. It says here it says that the birds. It's it's almost like a prophetic imagery, and Jesus picked it up in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus goes there. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number four, he talks about there's a sower that goes out and sows out seed, and some of the seed fell on by the roadside, and as he cast out this seed on the roadside, it says then birds the birds came. And picked up that seed and ate the seed and took it away, right? So the so it didn't produce fruit, right? And then later in verse 19, he said, "This is what I meant when I said the the uh, the birds came and by the roadside." It's like this: when when the word of the kingdom comes, and you don't fully you accept it, but you don't fully understand it. And the word "understand" there in verse 19 means to be experienced with your five senses. So when God's word of the word of His kingdom comes. And what happens is, is it's sown by the roadside. You accept it, but it doesn't take deep root. In other words, you're, you're, happy with a, uh, you're happy with an intellectual knowledge of the kingdom. But you're not experiencing the living reality of the kingdom. You follow what I'm saying? That word understand means, in verse 19, it means to experience it with your five senses. To smell it, to taste it, to touch it, to see it. Ooh, to feel it oh wow, come on, like all these things right to hear it and he said like then he said this he said, what happens is the evil one comes and he takes he takes that seed that was planted in your heart he takes it out the problem with that is that that seed of the kingdom is taken from your heart so you haven't experienced it, it doesn't say it was taken from your mind it says it was taken from your heart so this is where we get people who know all about the kingdom who know all about things, and this and that, and the ins and outs of everything else, but they haven't experienced it, and they haven't really, really enveloped it, and experienced it, and know it in their knower, okay? So what happens then is we get things like pharisaical attitudes, where we become like a Pharisee, where you know everything about it, but it's not, it hasn't it hasn't really dropped in the depth of your heart, and so then you get things like that pharisaical spirit, which is just just an awful thing, you know, where you become very religious and it becomes all about form and not so much about experience and, and connection and relationship. It becomes all about the rules. It becomes all about the, this is what should be, or this is, you get all these people giving advice and how to do things and what should be done and everything else, but in the depth of our heart, they, they don't know him, right? So that's what he's talking about here. So, but anyway, Abram drives away the birds and he goes on and um, he goes through this whole process Verse 17, when the sun had gone down, a thick darkness had come on. Behold, a smoking oven and a flaming torch. Somebody say flaming torch. Was passing between the pieces. So Abram goes into this spiritual encounter by the spirit of revelation where he sees. He sees something going on in the spirit through this, this process of covenant. The, the, the body parts are divided, there's blood, there's this, and there's a flaming torch that's going through. Well, we know the flaming torch to be Jesus, the living word, right? It's a prophetic picture of something that's coming, but it's very real for him right then and there. All right, let's keep on reading. Um, and so on that same day, the Lord made a covenant, a promise, a pledge with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land... From the river of Egypt to the great Euphrates. And he goes through the land of the Hutterites, the Mennonites, the Prezerites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. All the ites, right? No termites. All right. So there's this promise. So now what's happened here is there's this... God has made a covenant, a pledge, an oath, a solemn oath that cannot be changed or or, um, eradicated except when death separates, but then Jesus comes along and says, actually, this is a new covenant, and it's actually a life covenant. So you can enter in by faith, and death is not going to separate you from this covenant. In fact, you don't really, you're not going to die at all. And, and so, anyway, there's so much more to that. However, I want, I want to just go through some of these steps, because here's, here are the steps that took place in this covenant. And the reason I want to unpack this a little bit is because I feel like we as children... Uh, the children of God, have entered into a covenant by faith with God, and yet we don't really have a great revelation of what is provided in this covenant. Otherwise, we'd see a lot more results from the fruit of the covenant, you see? So... It's interesting. So there's a story of David Livingston. He was like the kind of like the first main missionary that went over to Africa to start to uh you know take the gospel over there. And so I mean the guy was just wild and crazy. And anyway, so he had been over for some time and they hadn't heard anything back in England from him. So what they did is they sent out somebody to go and check on him. So they sent out this man, and he had a small party, went out to check on him. And uh, they went, they, they arrived where they knew that he had been anyway, and so they arrived there in Africa. As they arrived there, they encountered all these tribes, and many of them were cannibalistic. So it's like, we're going to, you know, you all know what that is, right? And so they're at this point where they're fearing for their lives, and the one guy said to his friend, he said, you know what, why don't you, why don't you enter into a covenant with this chief? I think that's, that's the word of the Lord here. So he talks to the chief, and he enters into covenant with the chief. And there's a process. We'll get through the steps, the common steps of covenant in a second. But they go into this, and one of the things that, that happens is the chief then, as is custom in covenant, is there's an exchange of weaponry. And so the, the chief takes his spear, and he gives his spear to him, and the guy takes his spear. He leaves the place, and he's like, what am I going to do with this spear? <laughs> am I supposed to carry it around? What, like, like, I don't need this spear, but whatever, to honor the chief, he kept the spear with him, and they carried on their journey. As they went through other villages and places in Africa, en route to find David Livingston, they go out there and they, they, they um, encounter more cannibalistic tribes. Well, this one tribe comes up and they're, they're, they feel the fear of, these guys are going to eat us. We're their lunch. And he pulls out the spear and he just stands there with the spear and everybody bows down to him. And they're going, what in the world is this? Well, when they saw the spear, they knew whose spear it was. It was the chief's spear from this other tribe. And they knew that he was in covenant with him because there had been an exchange in weaponry. And so now he has this spear. So he knows, they know, if we eat this, these guys, even though they look like good lunch, if we eat these guys, we're actually going to be coming against, we're going to suffer the consequences of that chief whose spear this is. And it was as simple as looking at the spear, and that was the end of it. Wow. <coughs> and they live to tell about it. <laughs> so there's this process here. There's a process that takes place in covenant. Abram was familiar with this because they'd made covenant with other people in the day already. So there's a, the, the first step was this, and, and some people say there are like eight steps or nine steps or whatever, some customs and some kind of connect on, two of them kind of are, are rolled into one or whatever, but there's like eight or nine steps of this covenant. The first one is they get together to... to um, enter into covenant together and they'd have a discussion period where they'd talk about the terms of the covenant. So they just sit down and they start talking about it. They start talking about the vows, <clears throat> the pledges, what I will pledge to you and what you'll pledge to me as we enter into this covenant. So they start, they start talking about this stuff. Um, <laughs> this is kind of cool. Um, let's go to Deuteronomy 28 here's a discussion of some covenant terms i mentioned this last week just a little bit but i want to read through this because this is covenant language here this is covenant promise here that that was available this is the discussion period it says this verse number 28 or chapter 28 Deuteronomy 28 verse number 1 if you will listen diligently to the voice of the lord your god being watchful to do all his commandments which i command you this day the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And these blessings shall come upon you, and I love this, and overtake you. I'm so excited about being overtaken by all these blessings. Rather than, rather than gauging where we are in the Lord based on how much, you know, opposition we have, how about we, we gauge where we are in the Lord by how much blessing is overtaking us? Ah! Oh! Wow! And he says this, he says, I will set you high, above, and these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. First one here, verse number three. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your beasts, and the increase of your cattle, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading trough. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee in seven ways. Verse number 8, the Lord shall command, somebody say command, His blessing on your storehouse. Wow. And all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land in which the Lord God gives you. Ooh-wee. And the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. You know that, you know where, where um, uh, is it Revelation where he says, you're a royal priesthood, you're a chosen generation, and it also says you're a peculiar people. You know what I'm talking about there? Well, that word peculiar peculiar means it includes this here, what we're talking about, this blessing here. The reason you're peculiar is not because you manifest when the Holy Spirit hits you. <laughs> Why did they fall down? Why are they shaking? Why are they yelling? Why are they speaking in tongues? That's somebody. He, he's talking about. A peculiar people are a people that are laden down with the blessings of God. There, so another, you could even, it's not a stretch to say that a peculiar people covenant people will be so blessed by God in every area and understand this when i use the word prosperity don't just take it to mean just finances although that's a big part of it it means all areas of your life not just your bank account although he says here you know your storehouse your 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 uh your sustenance okay but he's saying so that word there peculiar so i'm excited about the peculiar peculiarity. Is that the word? That we would be a peculiar people that people would look at us and say, man, you're so peculiar. You're different. And you're like, well, yeah, because I'm in covenant with Almighty God. And it's like everything he has is mine. And this is just an outflow. Isn't that peculiar? Wow. So he goes through this and um, he keeps on going. He says, um, where are we here? The Lord shall command on your sorrows and all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land which he gives you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people unto himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people, somebody say all. All the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name and the presence of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord God will make you to have a surplus of prosperity. So not just prosperity, but actually a surplus of prosperity. See, this, just this scripture alone should defeat a poverty mindset in your life. Just this scripture alone, this passage here. That like, and when I say poverty, again, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about financial, okay? Financial is one thing you know, poverty. People have poverty mentalities relationally. They have these lies, they believe, that they say, well, no one's ever really going to love me. I'm not going to have a close connection with that person, with a person like I've seen those guys. They're such good friends. Man, I wish I could have a relationship like that. Or you're believing for a spouse or for a partner or whatever. Oh, I guess it'll never happen. Da-da-da-da. No, 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 no. There's prosperity that God wants to prosper you in your relationships, in your finances, in your workplace, in your family, all down the line, in the side stuff, like the, the, the fun things that you enjoy. That also includes God's prosperity. Ah, wow. So we see this. So he says, um, keep his commandment and the people shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord. And the Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity through the fruit of your body and your livestock and of your ground and the land to which your fathers, uh, to, to the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And the Lord shall open to you his good treasury, the heavens, and give rain on your land in its season, and bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow. Wow. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Just just think about this right now. How many have some personal debt in your life right now? My hands up. Okay. Right? God's promise in his heart for us is that, that we would live in a place where we could lend to many nations, but we're not going to be a slave. We're, we'll be the lender. Not, you know, it says that the, the borrower was slave, slave to the lender, right? You know what I'm saying? But there's a, there's a covenant promise here. This is, these are covenant promises. Wow. Keep on going. You'll lend to many nations but shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you a head, the head and not the tail. You shall be above only. You shall not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you this day and are watchful to do them. And you'll not turn aside from the words which I command you this day to the right or the left. Or go after the other gods or serve them. And then the next several verses are all the curses that are... So this is a discussion period. There's a discussion happening here. They get together and that's the first thing. They discuss things. What's it going to look like? What's in it for me? What's in it for you? I want to discuss this and go through this with you. So that was the first step in the covenant process. All right? You still okay? All right. Then we get into it. Then from there they would go into a blood sacrifice. And uh, in the sacrifice, in, in Abram's case, there it was a three-year-old heifer, a she goat, uh, some birds, whatnot. Da da And there was a there was a there was a, a cutting the flesh, a, a sacrifice that was given, a blood blood being shed. Okay. I'm not going to get a chance to get into it. I'll just say this, preface this: the covenant that we're under now is so much better than the covenant. Like, this is amazing. I would just love to get in on some of this already and see it manifest in my life. We've seen some, but come on, think about that. All those promises, the covenant promise, this is what you get. But in in Abram's case, and in that case there in Deuteronomy 28, there's there's a condition applied, and it says this, if you obey the word of the Lord, da-da-da-da. And I get it, there's always obedience and faith and that sort of thing. But the new covenant is not a covenant of of striving for obedience or striving for performance. The new covenant is a faith covenant. And so by faith, we enter into the covenant. See, in these covenants, in the old covenant, God is making a covenant between Abram and himself. This is the promise. I'm going to enter into covenant with you. You obey, you do this. I'm going to do this. Woo-wee. So there's always two parties. So when Jesus came on the scene, that's why it says he was the son of man and the son of God. Because he represented both sides of the covenant. He represented man's side as the son of man. And he represented God's side as the son of God. So it's like we're sitting back and watching this play out. And we're going, I can't believe this. What? Are you kidding me? He did it on that side. He fulfilled my part of the obligation, and then he's doing it on God's side, he fulfilled God's side, and all I need to do is step in by faith and walk in that? Wow. We'll talk more about that in the future, but my point is this, because I don't want you to leave here this morning without a resolve, thinking, oh, I guess I, I blew it, the reason I'm not seeing the covenant blessing is because I haven't obeyed, or I haven't done this, or I haven't done that, da 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 but the deal is here, when he talks about covenant and all these blessings, he's saying, this is, this is for you, like, like a covenant is, a, is a, a blood oath that cannot be broken, except through death, in that case there. So, so why aren't we living, and I was asking the Lord this, I'm like, Lord, why are we not living in more of a revelation or, or a manifestation, rather, of this covenant stuff? Think about it. We know that in the new covenant, the covenant in his blood, there's healing that's provided in that covenant, right? But then we have sickness, okay? How about, wouldn't it be beautiful if we got to the place, I think a lot of it has to do our revelation, like what, what we have revealed in our hearts, what, how God would reveal this, that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light so that we could have a revelation of this to the point where when something comes against you, just like that, just like the 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 the, um, uh, the guy that went out, the team that went out to find Livingston, they would. That when the enemy comes against you, he looks and he sees. Oh my goodness, there's the sword, or there's the spear, the sword of the Lord, which is the Word of God. There it is, right there. Ah, okay. Go ahead. I, and and the, and the enemy would bow down to that just because they see that you're in covenant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I think part of the issue is is that we don't live our lives. Even believing that there is a covenant, or we don't believe that, you know, we just, we just kind of like, oh, I guess it just is happening and this all is happening. Oh, I think revelation's going to come, though. I real, I'm believing for this big time. I'll just say it like this if we, if we walk in, the, in a greater measure of covenant, I think we'd even stop asking for certain things because they would just begin to manifest. So there's these, this process, and. Um, We'll bring it in for a landing shortly, mm-hmm. and there was this uh, there was this thing, so this blood sacrifice. then the third thing was there was an exchange that took place an exchange of coats or exchange, exchange of garments and uh, it's so interesting, so I would take my coat and I would give it to Eric and Eric would give me his coat, and see of course, in those days the the garment the coat was identity it really was you would you'd be known for who you are, what tribe you're from, or who you're you know, what, what clan you're part of based on your coat. It was your identity. And so this identity then, I would have Eric's coat and Eric would have my coat. And so that if anyone saw me, automatically they'd see Eric's coat and they're like, hey, wait a minute. That's like, I know that, I know that other group over there. That's Eric's group. So if he's in covenant with Eric, then if I come against him, I'm not just coming against him, but I'm also coming against Eric. And if I mess with him, then Eric's going to come and mess with me. You see what I'm saying? So and then you take this into the New Testament. That's why he says, he says um, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Through the new covenant now, through, through God, through Christ, instead of carrying heaven, heaviness and despair, we can wear the garment of praise. And then it says that he's, he's clothed me with robes of righteousness. Ah! Robes of righteousness and garments of salvation. So when you enter into covenant through the new covenant through Christ, your unrighteousness you give to God, and then you wear his righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what happens is the enemy comes along when we think we should have faith to expect something. And, and he'd say, and he wants to put shame on you. He wants to put fear into you and this, all this stuff. He comes along and he'd say, well, Lindsay, who are you? To think that that's for you. Do you remember what you did last week? Like that, da, da 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 And what happens is in that moment, maybe not literally, but in that moment, what you're doing is you're taking that coat off that Christ gave you, the righteousness. You're taking that coat of righteousness off and you're putting on your old clothes again. And your old clothes. You're, you're, you're wearing this clothes, the, the clothes of unrighteousness. And then you're like, oh, I guess so, yeah. Oh, I yeah, know I really messed up. I don't deserve that. I know, actually, this is probably not for me. That's why there are so many people that are growing weary in in trying to do well because they're not wearing the right clothes. Listen, you need to dress the part. Dress the part. Well, I don't really feel like I belong in this crowd. Dress the part. I gave a word to this guy one time and, and I said, I see you in a in a tuxedo, and I said, you're going to feel really uncomfortable, God's going to open doors to take you into some places where there's going to be people that are of very, very high influence, and it's really going to be hoity-toity, real dress-up type stuff, and I said, I'd encourage you to go and get sized up for a tux now so that you're ready for it. You need to dress apart now by faith so that when you're called into it, you're ready to go. And I said, you'll remember this when you're there because you're going to be in the meeting with all these people. And you're going to say to yourself, I don't deserve this. I don't really feel like I fit here. However, you're going to look down and you're going to see your clothes that the Lord encouraged you to go and get. And you're going to stand there and say, actually, this is the promise and I'm wearing the right stuff. And it wasn't just but a few months and he called me up and he said, you know that word you gave me? I said, yeah. He said, "Uh, well, I got invited to this thing and it was all the who's who in the political realm of the provincial, you know, some heavy hitters in business and all this stuff. And he said... I went to this thing and we were actually honored there for our participation in this 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 event and whatever. And he said, I remembered that word, and he goes, Man, he goes, it already happened. It already started to happen. But here, I'm just here to tell you, if you want to walk in covenant blessing, you need to wear the right clothes. Dress the part. I knew it was gonna be warm today, so I'm dressing the part. So there was an exchange of uh, of coats that took place, clothing that took place, belts and different things like that. Fourth thing was this, was an exchange of weaponry, you know, there was an exchange of weaponry and I shared the story of Livingston and that whole story but they would exchange weapons and they would say things as they did these exchanges, they would say, you know, my life for your life, you know, I'm, I'm in this with you. I'm, I'm connected to you. And so this weaponry would be exchanged. And then you go into scripture and you look about this. And Paul didn't Paul say it? He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You look at Ephesians, you'll see there there's a whole weaponry, a whole armor that, that comes. There's an exchange that takes place when you enter into covenant with God. The belt of truth. Shoes, the gospel of the peace, preparation of the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, shield of faith. Oh, come on. What's that? What's that sword? It's the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the living word, the rhema, the word of God. There it is right there. You see, it's like God is showing us through this whole picture. He's saying, you've entered into covenant, so now you've got my weaponry. So then when stuff comes and breaks out against you, you don't need to stand and try to fight things out. That's, that's the thing. The enemy wants to get your gaze off of heaven's reality. He wants to get your gaze to the place where you're just looking at all the stuff going on, thinking, i got to put out this fire. i got to help connect with it. i got to do this. i got to do that. Listen, folks. In covenant, we're in covenant with him. And there's peace in the covenant. And out of that place of rest and peace... We can let the angel armies go and fight our battles. When you hear the sound of the footsteps, the marching on the mulberry trees, you'll know that the angel of the Lord has gone before you. And all you need to do is stand. And then in Ephesians, what does he say? Having after having done all, stand. So there's covenant promises. There's covenant steps. Then there was a there was a wealth exchange. We'll just stop here on this one, but there was a wealth exchange. This is kind of cool. So they would take prized possessions or wealth, and they'd exchange. They'd trade wealth. They'd say, this is very, very dear to me. Uh, This this holds a place in my heart, and it's of great value, and I'm going to give you that. And then that person would go and do the same, and there would be this exchange. And every one of these steps, in the steps of the covenant-making process, every one of these steps were significant because they were always signs to other people that this person's in covenant with somebody. So, what I want us to do, we'll go, we're going to go from here. What I'd like us to do is I want you to this week, I want you just to pray into it, meditate on it, read over these scriptures again and again, meditate on it and say, Lord, I want to live in the, I want to have a covenant mentality of what your covenant promises are to me. I want to walk in, Lord, give me a revelation of this. Lord, why have I been why haven't I been wearing the the garments dressing the part of a covenant kid? Why haven't I been using the weapons that I've been given? Why have I been trying on my own? What's the what's the situation here? And just begin to ask the Lord and meditate on Lord, give me revelation of the blessing of covenant that I have with you. Now we're just started. We're just in the the the, the Abrahamic covenant, which is amazing. And we didn't get to it, but in Galatians it says because we're in him you're co-heirs, joint heirs with Abraham. We're offspring. You see what I'm saying? So in Galatians chapter 4, I believe it is. So you see this. You see that story there. You can read every one of the blessings that Abraham was promised, and you can put your name on it. That's for me too. That's for me. Ah! Just Just smile and say, I receive it. I receive it. <laughs> if you want. I mean... <sighs> So, Father, as we go out of here, Lord, I just pray that as we embark on this journey of discovering the greatness of of your promises over our lives, Father, I'm asking you to give us revelation of who we really are and whose we really are and what we have in this covenant with you. That we would see fruit flowing out of the covenant. We'd see fruit flowing out of this relationship like we've never imagined. And Lord, I pray that you begin to renew promises to people that are hearing this right now. Renew promises, Lord, that they would start to go out and walk the promise, look it out, check it out, walk the land, spy out the promise, that they would say, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see the promise. I wanna, by faith, I'm gonna reach out for the promise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.